Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action Forward News, your news team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Commodore Provide, providing you new ways to lose your friends. And we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and as I said when I lost for the fourth time in a row with my new Naya deck, even with the upgrades given to me by my friends, co-host or fellow host and family in Kansas City, there's no place like Jund. There's no place like Jund. There's no place like Jund. Sweet McGee getting caught up on meta traffic with the weatherlight report. Ooh, well, it looks like Koth of the Hammer hooked up Antikra with their bunker buster to take out Squee McGee's hidey hole. Then we have the head of the Team CMD Tower himself. <laughs> well, we're going to start off the top of the castle, ladies, and carnage that ensued with 45 in the dash. So, uh, I got to do some five-player games. I was going to say, how many did you get? First off, how many did you get in? Two, I believe. Two games um, total? Two games total. Oof. But here was the fun part. Now, I did get to play some games on the 4th of July. Uh, you know, the, the goad and, of course, day two was there. We might have recruited a new person to the play group. Uh, his name is Colby. He's one of Joanna's friend's boyfriends. Oh, nice. Uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was cool. But the actually, what I want to talk about is terrifying Tyler. Oh, he showed he up? Decided to sh oh, he showed up on Monday. And, uh, you know, after we all get done, of course, Nathan's like, this is why I hate five-person games. Everyone can go to hell. And then uh, I'm like, hey, terrifying Tyler or TT. You want to play some 1v1 <laughs> competitive? Oh. And he's like, yeah, sure. We could do a little of that. So it's like, hey, let's do best two out of three. Pull out our CEDH decks. And for one uh, on he one. was playing the, yep, for one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. And he was doing the mono blue wizard where you tap wizard draw card. You know, mm -hmm. very basic. And it definitely wasn't a, a 10 or a top tier CEDH deck, uh, but neither is mine. Well, he wiped the floor with me twice. <laughs> and then in my uh, inebriated state, I'm like, hey, well, before you leave, let's swap decks. Let's see what happens. And then he proceeded to what my ass with my own deck. So clearly <laughs> it is the piloter. Not the piloted. Booze one, Mr. Booze three, Mr. Combo zero. I don't even know if the booze is what held me back. I think it's just called this brain of mine. Yeah, having having a bad brain. <laughs> I think there's a return policy on that. Yeah, God. Well, Big Tuck, apparently there's stories about you getting your uh, booty whooped in Naya. Yeah, um, well, I I streamed with our old pal, Mr. Bevers. I was the only, um, I was trying to figure out how to say this. Because, like, I was not the only American. I was the only American from the United States. So the only, the nicest way I could think of how to say this is I was the only non-Canadian on it. Um, and we were playing... Because, like, I was playing with three guys from Canada. Yeah. But I wasn't, oh, like... Okay. I didn't want to be, like, I was the only American. Because that's not necessarily true, right? I was trying to figure out how to say that politically correct. And we were well, playing with... At least you didn't with, say native. That would have yeah. backfired. <laughs> oh, damn. We were playing with um, redacted arch enemy. Uh, Commander Mechanic, who is a real sweetheart, uh, Mr. Bevers, and then one of the guys from the Spike Feeders. So I was like, wow, this game's oh. going to suck. Yeah. 
And he was like, I'm playing a really casual deck. And uh, he was playing... So this is my frustration with this real quick. Uh, let me get this out of my system. So he's like, I'm playing a casual deck. It's like, okay. But he still played like Mana Crypt, all this other like fast stuff. And he was playing like a Protean Hulk. He was playing like a Protean Hulk flash deck, right? But he's like, it's not busted. It's like, okay. But flash His is banned. Right. So he was saying it's like Flash Hulk without Flash, right? Oh, okay. So he was doing... So he like had to dance around it, but... It ended the same way where he Protean Hulk dies and gets like 15 zero drop creatures and then just kills you with Perforos or a gazillion of other triggers. So it's like, how is that any different? So I digress. Um, so I gave, I finally made some upgrades, did some swaps for Hazazon, right? And finally got Hazazon uh, out to the party. And it, it like, I it wasn't necessarily a great game to debut him considering the other ones I was playing. I got to play all these cool cards, right? But right when I got him ready to like almost win, right? Or just let me rephrase that, cast him. I put in creatures. I put in better mana. I was getting ready to cast them. This guy drops a Hushbringer. And I was like, well, <laughs> this deck's over with, I guess. I guess that's the end of that. Uh, yeah, so uh, that sucked. I think it's like, it's. I, I'm obviously not going to get rid of it or anything. Um because I'd still a deck that I think has potential. I just think I need to run it like there needs to be a night where I'm like, I'm only playing his Azon. That's it. And I'm going to play. But you do remember the reason it's in the position it's in now. It's because you gave yourself that stupid ass. No, 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 no. I took creatures. it out. I took it out. I took it out. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, like, okay. I put in like Birds of Paradise. I put in all the good land I hand. Perforos. Like, Perforos. Yes. Had one of those lying okay. around. I put in. Um, I put in um, like Mana Dorks. I put in. Uh, forest elves, that stuff, right? I put in a bunch of new stuff. Good fortune unicorn to get my creature, my things going. The problem I think is that I'm banking so much on Hazazon and he costs so much mana that like yeah. it still plays like I have to play him or lose. So I don't know if I need to put in more artifacts or what. I think I put in, need to put in a few more artifacts and just like a few more removal, a few more creatures just so I blockers, like maybe a few more small token producers. So I have I have realized the errors of my way to some extent that that was not a feasible deck. He still needs a little bit more help. Um, and then I played my Cheville deck, which also doesn't have a way to win, but it was still fun to play. Well, uh, that definitely sucks. Yeah, and and that's always the problem. Once again, that's why I say CEDH should be its own format. Each side yeah. should have its own ban list because of literally situations like that where someone from a CEDH community, which are perfectly fine people, bring yep. a deck they're like well this is like low low powered for right. us so this should be like right in your home and it's like holy ballsack that's yeah, like unreal. better than everything we're playing <laughs> yeah exactly so uh i agree but you know what are you gonna do it was still fun like he was nice enough to do it he wasn't like a whole a big braggart or anything so you know he's canadian i i like the way that you phrase that he was nice enough to do it like ah he was nice enough to play a low powered cedh deck and whoop he my just butt. wasn't like he wasn't like ooh, this deck's so sick he kept being like this deck's not uh, that good and it's like okay all right, I kept being like, you're, you're, what do you wait. think is good? Yeah, he like made two copies or three copies of Protean Hulk in a row or something like that. So it's like, it's still just because like it's a gimmick deck doesn't mean it's not underpowered. So anyway. Well, that's going to wrap up 40 Life at a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? Well, it's that time again. It's time for your CMD Towers Not So Accurate Set Review. Uh, and of course, we we are covering 
Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> called Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. Uh, this is obviously the D&D crossover set with us because, hey, uh, a crossover is everything just like family. Dom Toretto, Fast 9. Uh, so, I, re I refuse to support that bit. That meme was not funny when it started, and it's already <laughs> out. So I'm not, I, I cannot sit I don't here. know, I'm still, I'm still seeing him today. Wow. I, I literally saw one of the picture of Nicol Bolas, Liliana being like, Bolas is too powerful. That is a picture of Dom with Liliana being like, nothing's too powerful for family. It's not funny. It's not, I don't, di uh, whatever. I can't, we can't get into this now. We have way more to talk about. So anyways, uh, it's a very cool new set in my opinion. So going into this, I'm not a D&D &D person in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I would like to play D&D &D at some point, uh, mainly just because there's a magic crossover with it, and I love magic. <laughs> uh, but once I started seeing the previews come out, I was very, very interested. And I think there's two new mechanics that are humongous, uh, very, very different than we've ever seen before. So I'm going to cover the one that involves rolling. Tuck, you cover the one that involves venturing. Ugh. So one of the things that they have introduced now, because in Dungeons and Dragons, actual D20 die are huge. You use them all the time yes. for your random rolls to see what happens. And yes, this is different than your spin down, and you cannot use your spin down if something says roll a D20. So... A lot of things in here that'll be like, roll a d20. If it's a yeah. 1 through 5, you get this effect. 6 through 10, this effect, so on and so forth. So I think that's actually kind of cool because I've always wanted to get one of those really premium d20 die that the dungeon guys have. But I just couldn't justify it because literally the box of die that I use for Magic the Gathering, I, I got like 30 d20s yeah, in there exactly. or, or spin downs. I can't afford to buy a marble d20 20 times that's just too expensive sure now i'll buy some guys cradles but i won't do that and then the second mechanic is called adventure or venture into the dungeons rather and uh it's kind of complicated so i'm just going to read what happens here so there are these new cards called dungeons and i thought we could go through and read these dungeons out loud just to kind of talk about what they do in order so um, I will start because I have actually played two of these modules. So I'll do two, uh, the Lost Mines and the Tomb of Annihilation. And then, Mr. Combo, I thought you could do the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So I'll start Lost Mine of Fandler. There are a handful of rooms here. And effectively, what happens is when you have something that says venture into the dungeon, when X, Y, and Z happens, you choose one of these three dungeons and place a counter on it. And then that effect resolves. So um, every time you venture further, you go down sequentially through the dungeon. Some of them have multiple paths. Some of them have only one path. Actually, none of them really do that, which is good. But uh, some of them are a little more complex than others. So the different effects you could get in order of tier on the Lost Mine of Fandelver is the cave entrance, where you scry one. Goblin Lair, you create a 1-1 red goblin creature token. Or the mine tunnels, create a treasure token. The storeroom, put a 1-1 counter on target creature. The dark pool, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. The Fungi Cavern, target creature gets minus, zero, minus four or minus zero until your next turn. And then the Temple of Dumathoin, where you draw a card. And then the, the next one, and this is actually my personal favorite, because it is a legitimate dungeon. There's so many rooms to go <laughs> yeah. into and so many paths that you could take. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So where you enter into the dungeon, you have Yawning Portal, where you gain a life. Lame. Uh, then we go to the dungeon level. Scry one. Okay, not bad. 
Now we're going to branch off two different directions. Either the Goblin Bazaar, create a treasure token, or the Twisted Caverns, a target creature can't attack until your next turn. That seems pretty decent. And then you're going to go down into the Lost Level, which allows you to scry two. You're seeing a little bit of a pattern here. Now you have two rooms you can branch off to. Runestone Caverns, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play them. Or uh, Muriel's Graveyard, create two 1-1 one -one black skeleton creature tokens. Then both rooms venture into the Deep Mines, allows you to scry three. And then the most exciting one, in my opinion, the Mad Wizard's Lair. Draw three cards, reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. That is sick. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's kind of like a huge setup there, right? For one of your big turns uh -huh. down the way. And then lastly is Tomb of the Annihilation. One of the things that almost got me to quit Dungeons and Dragons entirely. Uh, you come into the trapped entry. Each player loses a life. The Veil of Fear. Each player loses two life unless they discard a card. Or, and then from there, we'll go, this one has a little, this one's a little bit different squared. So if you go to the Veils, the next one you have to go to is the Sandfell Cell. Each player loses two life unless they sacrifice an artifact creature or land. Or you can go into the Obliet, which doesn't actually do what the card Obliet says, I know. which would have been so kind of yeah, kind of a miss there. But what are you gonna do? Instead, you have to discard a card, sack an artifact, a creature, and a land, and then <laughs> lastly, you get to the Cradle of the Death God, create the Atropol, legendary four four black god horror creature token with death touch. And that's it. Yeah. So. I'm going to be honest. So if I had to rank them, I think I'd go Dungeon of the Mad Mage, Lost Mine of yes. Fandelver, and then probably Tomb of Annihilation. Tomb of Annihilation's quote-unquote ultimate seems the weakest out of all of them. I agree. I think it, like Tomb it seems like a lot better than Limited, right? Like being able to get a 4-4 four, four yeah. black dot touch, it seems a little stronger. Um, I agree with you as well. Especially the Dungeon of the Mad Mage has those choices. We all liked, We all talk about how modular we like the game to be played here. I think that one mm -hmm. definitely gives you like the most options and also just like generic scry every other dungeon is pretty good, right? That's, that's, that's a pretty good effect. Here's, here's my take. I have a lot to say about this, so I'm going to try to start at the highest. The problem, the biggest problem I have with this, well, two things. Number one, we have two brand new, uh, brand new mechanics that are only going to be seen here and maybe like when they do adventures into Dragonlance or whatever in two years. But hey, it's okay. They're just going to adventure into the land that energy lives in. Yes, Nowhere right, right, exactly. And then the other one, the rolling the dice, I like it on the face of it. But the only other set that's ever had dice rolling, like coin flip is okay because like it's been kind of a weird sub mechanic throughout Magic's history and I like it a lot. So for me, it seems like a misplay to throw in this roll mechanic, which we've only seen in unglued sets. There's no card support. And now you're rolling a D20. So maybe this will open up the way to rolling dice being now a future state mechanic. But my bigger issue that I have with this is like, as someone who has been, who has played Dungeons and Dragons for a lot of his life, and as someone who like understands that magic and Dungeons and Dragons are drastically different games, I think it's like, I, I kind of have the same sort of frustration with this set as I do with like The Walking Dead to some extent, right? Like now we're, now we're believing that icing death which used to be one of the most powerful dragons in all of Faerun, dies to Shivan Dragon, which is like the most common <laughs> dragon that you can, that's uneven, that's even unplayable, right? So I understand like what they're trying to do here of like cross promoting, but I really don't. I don't know. It, I get how it's going, right? Like, but it's the same sort of sense to me where it's like you have like Kia, Hyundai, and Genesis, right? It's all the same company, and now you're like forcing people to try to like cross go into each other one. 
that's that's my bigger issue is like Dungeons and Dragons is such a widely different game and they're trying to shovel all this they're trying to shovel 20 years of mechanics into one set and I think a lot of them don't really make a lot of sense translated Dungeons and Dragons so I had this discussion with a friend of mine who was like yes but like that's why games like Super Smash Bro and like SNK versus Super Street Fighter are fun because you get to do all that shit and it's like Mm-hmm. I have the same frustration with those games when it's like Sephiroth versus Donkey Kong. Like, it's not like it's stupid. So that's why I don't like this set. I also, this has been one of the sets recently that I've looked at and I've just kind of been like, I don't know. I'm not particularly excited about it. Any way you cut it. Um, so that's, just, that's my, like, not only are there cards in here, I'm not excited about. And I'm also frustrated by it existing because I totally called this happening and look what you did. Wizards. You broke my heart. Yeah, so I'm not on the same page as you. Um, I don't get frustrated with Super Smash Brothers I, it's or one of your favorites, uh, yeah. Mario Racing or any of that because it's don't be that nerd. It's don't supposed take to be stuff to such a literal level. I also understand that this is supposed to be, and I quote, fun, and it's supposed to be a quote unquote good time. I just can't. I can't. Like, there's like a block in my brain where it's like. And also, I got Mr. Uh, I got our good friend of the show, Sir Brian, to literally say, fuck you in our Discord to me. So that felt pretty good. Uh, yeah, so I know I have a unwelcome opinion, but I still have an opinion. And so the other things I was going to say is think of it this way. It, what Magic is, what Wizards is trying to say is that Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons takes place on the same universe type thing yes whatever. right multi they're in the same multiverse whatever um i do believe if you and i uh big tuck and mr combo met aliens from another universe they would probably whip our ass <laughs> but here on earth we are big guys that we could take most people right right so right. i think you need to look at it that way to where potentially Maybe what Wizards is almost trying to say is that the Magic the Gathering multiverse, everything's actually higher power than the Dungeons and Dragons multiverse. So the things in that realm that were the omnis- omnipotent powers, like Icing Death, sure uh, over here, it's just, you're, you're just middle dragon, of the road. Yeah. You're, you're going to get eaten yeah. alive by Niv-Mizzet Reborn or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's... I, yeah, just because something's powerful in one thing... Doesn't mean it's going to be powerful in the next thing. This okay. You so, can even say, yeah. look, look at um, oh gosh, who uh, in Marvel? Let's go, Captain America. Be probably one of the most powerful superheroes yeah. out there. Could he take on Superman? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> he that's, get his so, ass whooped. But that's what I'm saying. Like, so then in like Marvel DC crossovers. So if you made, if you had a Marvel game that had DC people in it, wouldn't you want Superman to be like completely omnipotent and unbeatable? As opposed to just being like, no. oh, it's just going to get chumped by a dragon. No, that, but that's that's the point. That's the point I'm trying to make to you, though, yeah. is Dungeons and Dragons is Marvel. DC is Magic the Gathering. And now they're, they're trying and now to Marvel has curve. come into there. And it's like, well, no, it's just the stuff that was powerful in Marvel. You're not really that big shit over here. We have Blightsteel Colossuses. Yeah, sure. We got Darksteel Colossus. We have plenty of things. We have Planeswalkers that, that don't can exist, handle yeah. you. Yeah. Eh. So, our. You'll be fine. You'll but be I fine. Know. I'm I'm excited though because I'm gonna build a dungeon jet deck. That's all it's gonna do is roll d20s. <laughs> and I'm gonna get the prettiest one I can find. I, I'm I'm really excited for you to play twenty cards. <laughs> say venture to the dungeon. <laughs> oh no! Even if they're bad, I'm playing them. Oh lord! And there is an infinite combo I can do. So 
Yeah, I, I saw that. It's pretty nasty. <laughs> All right. Well, like our normal not-so-accurate set reviews, uh, Tuck and I are going to go through a creature, artifact, enchantment, instant sorcery, planeswalker, land, a legendary creature um, that we kind of think speaks to us, that we think is a interesting build in the, the set. So I'm going to start off with a guy that I think is very, very cool. He's Simic, which usually means I don't like him. But how can you just not like Volo Guide to Monsters? Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. Such a cool this effect. Is your this is your creature, Simic. just making sure. Correct. Okay, yep, cool. This is my creature. Uh, this is two colorless, uh, blue-green. That is Simic. It's a 3-2. Legendary creature, human wizard. It's a rare. It's pre-ordering a little under $8 as of July 8th. And it states, whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. Well, that's just telling me we're going like subtype tribal. Yeah, right. Trying to get one of everything in the entire deck. I'm making tons of copies. And then there's so many things in those colors that, oh, you made a, co a token copy? Let's make another thing. And, and let's just kind of keep going at it. It seems like you could have a good time with this guy. Yeah, and especially to your point in Simic, especially there's so many things that are like shark elf or crab person or something you know like there's all those weird things where that's like why couldn't they just make this a snake or you know a homerid or something oh my gosh it's homerid tribal <laughs> you can put homerid cards in here all day well so i guess actually that's a question we'll probably need to go look up on gatherer because when i read it and it says that doesn't share a creature type with another creature you control or card in your graveyard I feel like if it says shark, elf, and you have an elf in your graveyard, you wouldn't get it. Correct. Because yes. elf is part of the creature type. Yes. So, yeah, the 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 crazy types where they compound all the things, you probably want to stay away from those. You probably want to stay to the single ones. Uh, and especially if you kind of want to cheat, you can do like the old cards that haven't been eradicated right. and just tell everyone, oh, yeah, that's just yeah. what it is. This is for sure a fungusaur. <laughs> Well, Tuck, what creature did you think was interesting? So, uh, I this is a this is a really interesting one for a mono black deck or maybe an Orzhov deck, but I think Forsworn Paladin is really interesting. So they're really pushing treasures in this, which is good, and they're giving it to pretty much all colors. So For Forsworn Paladin is a one mana one one creature human knight with menace, and it's got a colorless. It's got two abilities: a colorless and a black tap, pay a life, create a treasure token, and then two colorless and black target creature gets plus two plus zero. Until end of turn. If mana from a treasure was spent to activate this ability, that creature also gains death touch until end of turn. So, and it's about $2.45. I don't think this will be very much. For me, this just is like a very efficient quote unquote ramp spell in decks that don't really have a way to do it, right? Paying two, paying a colorless and a black and a life is not very much to get a ramp in colors like Orzov or mono black where your ramp options are somewhat limited. The minus one is fine, or the two colorless and black is fine-ish. I'm just thinking that this is going to be something that you're going to get out early game, get your extra value in, kind of build up, get you, get not, this obviously won't help you cast like an exsanguinate or some giant expo, but some of those higher end black token or some of those higher end black big powerhouse swingers, it's going to help you cheat those out a little earlier, be able to do some stuff on other people's turn. I just like that modality of that, of that colorless black and tap. For that ramp. Uh, the only issue I have with this card is how the hell is it not a vampire? Like, I, yeah, look I, at the art. It's absolutely think, a vampire in that picture. I don't know. Did they have vampires in this set? 
I don't know. I'll look I, that up. I, but I, I would be. I'm, I'm pretty sure they do. I mean, there's vampires in the Forgotten Realms. Like, whoa! In fact, there's an entire <laughs> there's an entire module that's based around a vampire named Strahd. So maybe that's going to be on the next one. <gasps> suck a D and D nerd. Yeah, suck it for those. I know what I'm talking about. Come at me. You want to talk <laughs> Forgotten Realms? I will bury you. There's two vampires in this. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm pretty sure there was one. Uh, no, I mean this is fine. Now I will say, Tuck, to your point. It'll actually probably be around that two, three dollar mark until it rotates. Because I can yeah. see this probably getting played in standard because sure. it's menace in a one drop and it's so mm -hmm. quick. And then even if you can't attack turn two, it's like get a treasure. Now I'm ramping exactly. Um, and and in so. like the pump with the treasure is a, does a lot more work than uh, mm -hmm. than it would in our format. Yep. All right, we're gonna move on to artifacts. Thank you, D20 Tribal. The deck of many things has to be the coolest <laughs> artifact I've seen in so long. It costs five colorless legendary artifact mythic. Pre-ordering a shade above $8. Pay two colorless tap, roll a D20, and subtract the number of cards in your hand. If the result is zero or less, discard your hand. So if you get a one through nine, return a card at random from your graveyard to your hand. 10 through 19. Draw two cards. If you have zero cards in hand and roll a nat d20, which is what it's called, natural d20, yep. put a creature card from any graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. When that creature dies, <laughs> its owner loses the game. Oh my god, I love this. This just makes me want to do, like, I, I kind of want to put this in my Nicol Bolas deck because I'm making everyone discard so right, many yeah, cards. Yeah. Seems amazing. Uh, also seems good to maybe run in my Zerus deck if I've just like kind of played everything and I'm about to wheel. Uh, you know, I won't get the 20, but I could get the 10 through 19. I, I don't see a negative to this unless you just get a really bad roll because yeah. that would suck. Well, and, and if you have, you know, 10 cards out the gates in your hand because you got like a, I don't know, a, a Blue Sun Xander's or something. Uh, I like it. I just wish it was something else besides roll 20. Right, because then it's like even if it was coin flip or anything else, ugh. and also, but you're but you're making someone lose the game when they're. That, I do dies. like that is pretty rad. Like I I do like that bit of it because the deck of many things, the whole gimmick of it is you don't know what you draw and you can only draw a card once. And one of them is like you get literally whatever you want in the entire world, and then another one's like you turn into a bunch of squirrels and you can't you can't put yourself back together until all the squirrels come back together. Oh my god! So yeah, I, it's it's. To, and Mr. Combo, this is the last I'll say, and then I will not say anything about Vorthos stuff anymore. There are things in, in Dungeons and Dragons and artifacts that they wanted to represent that have it. There's no possible way to functionally represent them in the game of magic unless the card is like six cards stapled together. So, yeah. With that being said, I do think that this, I do think they did a good job on this one, and it is an interesting one. Well, and I will say they I think they had to make it a, a just perfect 20 yeah. for the ultimate because think about it, you could um Stryonic Resonator. Yep. Uh, able to do it. Is that Stryonic? Yeah. I, I know yeah. Activated the ability. Yeah. Um you could do that, get two, and if you just so happen to get two D twenties, literally grab two players' creatures, have yeah. an astronaut's altar, sack both of them, and they just lose. I think they had to make it yeah. difficult where it's like no cards in hand. You get the perfect twenty, and even if you if you don't get the perfect twenty, you're getting cards to your hand, so you can't try to abuse it again. Right, 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 right. 
All right. Well, what's your artifact? So this one's this is an interesting one because um, I think that it's got some range. I'm just not sure what deck it's going to be good in. So I thought Eye of Vecna was an interesting legendary artifact. So two colors for a legendary artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose two life. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two. If you do, you draw a card and you lose two life. And it's pre-ordering for about $4. So I don't think it's great, right? Don't get me wrong. It's on an awesome rate. But if you don't have... If this ends up being like a budget card and you're looking for a way to draw cards and decks that you traditionally can't do this, this at least does give you something that you can consistently do for two mana to draw a card every turn at the cost of two life as well. So... I don't know. We've talked about before how like endless at endless access, ugh, endless atlas is kind of risky. How mindstone costs too much, right? Because you you might not have to do anything. So if you're playing something where you really need card draw and you this is like a way to do it, that's why I think it's interesting. Um, I also like the fact that it can cause you to lose life, which can have a bunch of other things happen for two mana. Um, and it trigger off a bunch of things that happen on your turn. So not the best card ever printed, not the most official, uh, not the most efficient card draw, but for a generic artifact that you can put into any deck, hypothetically, seems like there's some interest in looking at it. Now, granted, I can't speak in the world of inflated magic costs, but once I, I could see this being used in limited, but in our format, you're not buying. I it? don't see this. I don't see this being more than a dollar. Um, sure. Yeah. To be, to be honest. But I bet you with uh, inflated pricings, it'll probably be a $50 card next week. Yeah, exactly. So. There's going to be some something broken to do with it. Who knows what? All right. Well, now we're on to enchantments. And they did something very, very cool um, in the set, just in general. Uh, oh. Tuck, you, you being more of a D&D guy, kind of explain classes real quick, just at sure. a high level. Yeah, and there, I, I knew you were going to go with one of these, so I didn't want to risk it. But yeah, so pretty much classes are the meat potatoes of Dungeons & Dragons. So when you start the game, you choose a race, which everyone is familiar with, and then you choose a class. And that class kind of dictates not only your progression as you gain through levels through the game, which is what happens when you gather experiences, everyone knows how RPGs work, but there's also abilities that happen over time. So when you choose your class, you sort of know what is coming down the pipe, even though there are things that you can choose down the way. So there's okay. you you can't just be a elf. You can be an elf druid, or you can be an elf monk, or you can be an elf fighter. You kind of put those two together. And so the one that I picked is weirdly speaks to me the most, even though I'm not really an is it player. I really like the sorcerer class. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's just is it to cast it so a, a blue and a red and it has three levels it's a rare pre-ordering at uh, about 340 and what it states is gain the next level as a sorcery to add its ability so when sorcerer class enters the battlefield as an enchantment just draw two cards and discard two cards very 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 simple. good yeah level two you have to pay is it to access this level creatures you control have Tap, add a blue or a red. Uh, spend this mana only to cast instant or sorcery spells or to gain a class level. That seems pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then you have to pay three colorless. Is it uh, for the final level three? Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, that spell deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of instant or sorcery spells you've cast this turn. So, Tuck, I believe the way that I am reading this is if I pay two to play the sorcerer class and then I pay another two to access level two on that turn, 
but I can't pay the five to access level three, my next turn, I go back to level one. Or am I at level two? I think you are at level two. So the way the way I understand how these cards work are kind of like the um, sagas in the sense that you kind of like stack them up, right? So it comes in as a zero mm. or it comes in as a one, right? First level. Then at the second level, you get that ability. And then at the third level, you have that and the abilities underneath it, right? So hypothetically on this card, when you get it up to third level, you your creatures will still have that ability. And, and I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's properly costed because if you're at, what's mm. that, five, six, seven, it's a nine mana to get to level three. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big investment. But then I love this. If you want to storm, it's like, up oh, dealing one. Now it's two. Now it's three. Yeah. Even if it's a nonsense storm spell that does literally nothing, you just keep doing it and you kill everyone. Ah, oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's, and also, a lot of times in these spell slingers, you just have creatures that are literally there just to block, like a bunch of drakes or a bunch of metallurgic summonings or whatever they are. Um, so that gives you something to do with them that kind of helps speed your game up. And I will say this. I thought this is the one thing in the set that I actually really, really like. I think all these classes are very indicative and very well designed comparative to the class that they're trying to represent. Uh, and all of them do something that's crazy. I also like the fact that you can have multiple of them out because the big thing in Dungeons and Dragons is multi-classing. Not now, that being said, they're not all created equal. And this is definitely one of the stronger ones for the decks that need it and want it as well. Oh yeah, that's 100% going into my uh, new Is It deck with Ooh. Zafi. Zafi, I can't, I know we're, we're we will have or be talking about that shortly which i'm very excited about well what enchantment are you excited to talk about so i this is an interesting effect in white and this is a really fun effect to see it's good to see it in new colors but teleportation circle is pretty rad so three colors and a white for an enchantment at the beginning of your end step exile up to one target artifact or creature you control then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control what do you mean? What are you shaking your head at? It's a conjurer's closet. It's literally that, it's just conjurer's closet. That also get, that also gets artifacts because I think conjurer's closet is just creatures and it's one less and it's in white. It gives you another ability if you want to play your blink decks <laughs> as an enchantment. What's not to like? It's finally giving white something that's interesting to do. Like they already had that flick. They already have like a flicker sub theme, but now you can have a dedicated slot that you can tutor up with anything, any of the white enchantment tutors of which there's what? 10 five god only knows uh is this cool to see this effect because normally this is in blue right with thassa or conjurer's closet and now the fact that this can build up to your end of the battlefield uh artifacts you know imagine like flickering a spina ishtar every turn or meteor golem or something along those lines i'm i'm gonna get one and put it in my uh put it in my alibu what is it artifacts anonymous oh, of course you are yeah of hell course yeah you of are. course it's so good. Uh, well, well, two things. Uh, one, uh, Conjurer's Closet's not in blue. That's in colorless. Okay, uh, fine. So suck it. So uh, one. And two, uh, you are correct. Conjurer's Closet just does creatures. Uh, so that's a suck it to me. <laughs> and third, uh, I mean, I, I think the card being under $3 right now yeah. is appropriate. Uh, it's kind of weird that the full art's almost 12 Seems a little out of but whack. But none, none of these prices uh, matter. Like the, in, in two that's weeks, true. in a month, all but of them you know, are going to be wildly different. If you spent 250 on this card and then you realize it sucks, I'd be like, well, you only wasted 250 Exactly. Put it in the binary. Someone wants this one. All right. We're on to our instance. And I thought this one was pretty interesting. Um, now, you know me. I don't like to draw cards <laughs> unless I'm going to get my value. And I feel like Sudden Insight is fantastic. 
Four colorless blue, blue instant. Draw a card for each different mana value among non-land cards in your graveyard. Mm -hmm. I personally believe by the time you get to six mana in a game and you want to kind of refill your hand, you're probably going to have at least five different CMCs in your yard. It's not ridiculous to think you're going to have one through five or one through six in there. A lot of times you have different artifacts that you've cracked. Right. Go get lands. You probably have two mana draw spells, probably have three mana draw spells. You probably have four mana removal spells. Probably have five mana board wipe spells. Like, the, I mean, I just did that off the top of my head. There's a lot yeah, of stuff right. in there. And so, and I think for, if the, I know if this was six in sorcery speed, no, I, I would not like it. And I would be talking about something else because we're obviously talking about instance. Right. But I think instant usually adds like a two colorless, like tax on the card. If you get to do it at instant speed, it's usually not one. It's usually around two. So if I look at this as like four mana, do that. Holy crap. Right. A, a rare or a mythic. But I think being it uncommon, it's properly casted. It's under a dollar. But this will be a card that, depending on its reprint cycle, could see a spike like Dig Through Time did for many, many years and be like a five, six, seven, eight dollar yeah. card until it sees a reprint. Yeah, uh, it just depends on how many. I don't know how many people are like stoked about opening this. So again, if you find these rare, if you find these uncommons and uncommons that are good, then yeah, they could definitely start going up there. And you're also in your Spellslinger decks, like you just said, and this is also one I would wager to guess would go in your Zaffy deck, right? Because all of your instants and sorceries all have wildly different costs, and you're playing yep. things to cost the to reduce the cost. So, like you said. This could easily be four mana draw six, right? With no drawback yep. at all, which is which is pretty solid, uh, especially in the uncommon slot. All right, Tuck, what's your instant? Uh, so this is a bit of a chaos card, and that's why I really like it. True Polymorph. This is a wild one. Four colorless double blue for an instant. Target artifact or creature becomes a copy of another target artifact it's or so creature. It's so overcosted. I know, but that's why it's so good. I think this card is hysterical. So Polymorph was like, I think, an eighth or fifth level spell in Dungeons & Dragons. Come at me. It depends on the varietal of it. But I think this is another one that that is like very well represented. So when I look at this is that the reason why it's so overcosted is that this could be an offensive or a defensive spell, right? So take Blightsteel sure. Colossus, if you will. Right. So not only could you turn a Blightsteel Colossus into a squirrel, you could also turn your own squirrel into a Blightstealer's Colossus. And both of those have huge impacts into the game. Right. If this was sorcery, trash. But the fact that it is at instant speed lets you get a full thing of the board. I love it. Uh, the high CMC would go great into like a cascade deck, like that one snake lady. That's if you cast spells with like CMC six or greater, you cascade. It's it's got that wild level of variance that I love to see in a blue spell as opposed to just bounce a creature, do this, do that, right? Like what's that one that's like two colorless and a blue where you trade a creature that two people control? It's like one of my favorite effects of magic. It's a true seventy five percent six six mana is just so much mana. But looking at pre order prices and euros at point two two euros, I highly. <laughs> Yeah, I highly doubt this thing is going to be that expensive. So once again, buy it away. Uh, feel free to do it. I think you'll that'll probably be one of the first cards you take out of your decks. If oh, you get them. High, high, highly likely. I don't I don't disagree with that, but I think it's fun. Like it's a fun card, and I want to see this is going to be a card that is going to lead to like complete blowouts. If you say so, I believe it. Believe it. Believe now, it. Believe this it. card is going to do complete blowouts at the right CDH table. 
Because it has a hideous laughter. Oh, yeah, it does. Tasha's. This is the, yes, this is the best sorcery they printed. This is the best oh my card God. of this entire set. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. I'm going to read the whole text of the card. You get to be a Vorthos nerd and apparently talk about Tasha uh, and sure. why she has a hideous laugh. Uh, so this is a colorless blue-blue sorcery rare. Wow, pre-ordering for 15 bucks. This card... Uh, I saw a uh, modern. I saw some guys from the adult, uh, the adult channel at Star City Games play this, and this card also destroyed in modern. Some guy got twenty cards off it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with total mana value twenty or more. And which thing obviously is Tuck and I are alluding to in competitive formats. Almost all the cards in the decks are lands, zero drop artifacts, zero drop creatures, or one drop creatures. And then occasionally you have your twos and threes. Yes. So you could get in a constructed format, you probably get half of someone's deck. I'm thinking at a CEDH table, unless they have a counter spell, you probably get it done until their force of will gets exiled midway through their deck. Exactly. I was just going to say the same thing. Um, yeah. So, and I think the big thing here too, and why I like the design of this is that each opponent, each opponent, it's not targeted. It's each like, that's why this one is insane. Um, so Tasha's hideous laughter is a first level spell. So a lot of times when you're, when you're playing the game in similar scope to magic, right? You're like, I want things that like attack and deal damage and you know, all this other jazz, but this, this one's like kind of can be kind of overlooked. I'm guessing that people have been playing for a while, but the gist, the gist of the card of the spell is that like, if someone fails their save against it, they are laughing so hard they can't do anything else. Like they can't cast spells, <laughs> they can't attack, they can't move. They're just crippled with laughter. So like a lot of times you can like, if you cast it on like the ogre warlord, he's laughing and then someone come up and just like crushes him with like an ax to the head. He can't do anything about it. Oh my God. So again, it's like you can't really orchestrate that to magic, but it's so fun. This car is going to be great. This is another one that's an awesome banger out of the set. Just just really, really like it. Well, what is your sorcery? Oh, wait, that was, we both that shared was that. Yeah. Move it on. We're on to Planeswalkers. Who you got? I know who you got. Um, I don't think it's this no, one, you but, but, uh, I bet you, we, I bet you we did the same one. I didn't really like a lot of these, to be honest with you. I thought the Planeswalkers were kind of the weakest set of them, but we have a certain gal who's going to reach out and give you a big old kiss when you play her in your artifact and your sacrifice themes. So Loth Spider Queen oh. is a really no, interesting one. So three colorless and black black for legendary creature Planeswalker Loth. She's not a creature, so suck that, big tuck. Uh, whenever a creature you control dies, put a loyalty counter on Loth Spider Queen. So zero, you draw a card and you lose a life. Minus three, you create two one one, two, sorry, you create two two one black spider creature tokens with menace and reach. And then finally, minus eight, you get an emblem with whenever an opponent is dealt combat damage by one or more creatures you control, that player lost less than eight life this turn. They lose life equal to the difference. <laughs> it's so wonkily worded. But what I love about this one is this goes great into any sacrifice deck, especially in like the, my the one I have in mind is like Tasa Karlov because it's a triggered ability, right? So you could get double the counters, be able to emblem them off, and now all your little 1-1 one, one flying spirits, all your little 1-1 one, one tokens with menace, all that sort of stuff, has way more bang for their buck. Uh, the zero kind of is whatever, right? Like draw a card and lose a life, like that kind of sucks for five mana, but if you have nothing else to do, then so what? And it also protects itself with good uh, creatures that once you emblem off, will start dealing in potentially eight damage a pop. Yeah, I... I don't know where I want this card. 
to be honest. I, I initially was like, this seems like a slam dunk in my Shirai deck. Yes. I'm always having my creatures die. She would have almost infinite loyalty. I'm getting to draw a card all the time. But then the other two effects just like, meh. But like the minus eight, I mean, there have been plenty of times where, you know, um, I swing it with my one ones and no one does anything. And it's right, like, well, yeah. I guess if they're dumb, I guess they now lose dumb. eight life instead of one. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know where this fits. Uh, it, it's 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 odd because I wish it was something like if that player lost then late less than eight life this turn by that creature, they lose life equal to the difference because then it could be this cool yeah, thing right. where like smaller teeny weeny stuff like I'm trying to go wide and just trying to have a lot of people just do little points of combat damage because it's not even just damage. It is combat damage. So you can't like be sneaky and just try to ping them to death. So I think that would have been a cooler idea, but I get it that that probably would have been a little bit too powerful. Mm. So. Yeah, like like I said, I th I just like the design of like gaining loyalty on it, and and again the Vorthos in me, the Loth. If there's a Drow that she doesn't like, she just eats them, and then she oh, gets stronger for all gotcha. the for all the rest of the Drow, and then they turn into Driders. But that's a whole long story. Nerd. All right. Mm. Well, the one I figured you were gonna pick was Zariel, Archduke of Avernus. I think this is actually pretty cool. So two colorless red red oh. legendary Prainswalker Zariel. It's a mythic. Pre-ordering for a little under 11 bucks comes in with four loyalty, has three activated abilities. Plus one, creatures you control get plus one, plus O, oh, and gain haste until end of turn. I figured you'd love that. I do. I like this card a lot. You just said that a lot of them you didn't like. There's two. I, there's This one's okay. The problem... Okay, keep going. All right. Zero. Create a 1-1 one, one, uh, devil creature token. Suck it for enemy Dan. With when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And then I really like this because I feel like there's broken things you can do. Mm -hmm. Minus six. You get an emblem with at the end of the first combat phase on your turn, untap target creature you control. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase. That's yeah. amazing. That's <laughs> so good. So Ultron. good. And, yeah. I, and, I, I, and I feel like there's ways with like extra combats mm -hmm. and... You know, hey, you know, and I get it. You're only going to get it that one time, but you could kind of like stack up your Savage Vent Maw mana. To yes. Like pour right. into, a, you know, into an uh, aggravated assault, things like that. So, yeah, I think this guy's good and or this gal and I'll say it for mana. I'd say it's pretty fairly balanced. Yes, I agree. And like I you this is a one where it's like probably decent in my Hazazon deck, right? Probably decent in my Prosh deck. Like anything that cares about tokens getting created, at least it gives you something to do in the interim. And then when you create all those tokens, the biggest thing that I run into in those decks is the haste part of it, right? So the fact that that kind of covers all of them, and then if you do get something that's big enough, being able to get into the red zone, it, it is very good. I like this one quite a bit as well. I, yeah, I, I for sure thought one... you were going to go with the Venture Elf Biosh. No. Uh, I for sure think Zariel is going to find a home in my Brutoclad deck. Oh, I think getting oh, yeah. two Brutoclad triggers and then just an extra token, slam dunk. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, we're on to the land. I'm curious, Tuck, what'd you pick? There wasn't that many to go with. There's like, there's a certain one, but this one is the one that I think is going to be the most uh, vaulted after because it's full of treasure. And it's a treasure vault. So treasure vault, an artifact land, taps for a colorless, double X, tap, sacrifice treasure vault, create X treasure tokens. A, goes into every colorless deck ever created. B, probably goes into every artifact deck, another one for Alibu. So I guess I got Alibu on the mind here. And C, I just like it where if you know that you have a big turn ahead of yourself and you don't have that much to do, this always kind of gives you an out that builds up to the next turn, right? So you can, you can make 
50% of your mana-ish for the next turn, for the big blowout, for the big spell. That's why I like it, right? It seems like a DC utility land. It doesn't enter the battlefield tapped uh, and can build you up for that big win when you need more tokens, when you need more artifacts, when you need more mana. Uh, I'm wishy-washy on it. I, I, I don't ever like things that whatever you put into it, you only get half the value, which is pretty much what sure. this is. Um, and I get it, you know, if you're only going to have... I guess the issue that I have is with the double X. I wish it just said X tap, sacrifice treasure vault, create half as many treasure tokens as X. I would prefer that because right. with the double X, it kind of puts you in that weird thing to where if it's like you're always at three untapped mana, like what, I'm going to make a treasure token? A treasure token? No, like I'm, I guess I'm just going to leave it uh, because no, the extra treasure token doesn't do anything for you because you lose treasure vault, which you could just keep and tap for mana. So it, it, it seems like one of those cards that you really have to be in a sitting tight deck with probably 12 plus mana to really make it worthwhile or be in a deck that's running your doubling season type of effects. Right. I think, yeah, I so think you that, get so you I, get whatever investment you put into it. But I will say this, it's going to be very interesting in mono black with people that like to run mm -hmm. the uh, um Urbog, Cabal of Coppers, Cabal Stronghold. No, Cabal. no, sir. Uh, gosh. Uh, the enchantment, four colorless black. Oh, Rebel the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah see, this, this is going to be amazing awesome. with that. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. It's great. Uh, Blast Zone is uh, a very close one to it. So if you like Blast Zone, then this one just gets you mana. All right. Well, the one I'm a humongous fan of, obviously, I'm into this whole venturing yeah, into the dungeons. Yeah, I knew it. I, Dungeon I, Descent. Right Enter his battlefield tapped. It's colorless, so I can put it in any whatever color deck I build. Four colorless tap. Tap an untapped legendary creature you control. Venture into the dungeon. Activate only as a sorcery. So, not a whole lot there to talk about. Uh, it's going to do what I want. And I, I feel like there are a lot of legendary creatures in the game of Magic that you have in a deck that aren't really that important. Like, they ETB, they did their thing... And then they're just kind of there, as Tuck, you kind of mentioned earlier, a blocker. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. being able to like, hey, I'll go ahead and tap that and go ahead and venture into the dungeon because maybe I need to scry three before, um, you know, I pass because maybe I'm going to do some draw effect or someone's going to make me draw at the beginning of their turn. Uh, I do like that they did the activate only as a sorcery because this could get busted very, very quick. Yes. And it enters the battlefield tap so. too. So, yes. If you yeah. want to, this now gives you like the argument where it's like, well, you might as well just bring your, you might as well just put this in every deck because you're going to have a legendary creature because it's your commander. Then you can go into the dungeon. So there you have it. <laughs> it's the same thing as like the, th I think it's called, I like it. I think it's called, th it, I cannot be upset with you for picking this card because one of my favorite cards is the card that gives you monarch when you sacrifice it. So in the same scope that you like this <laughs> venture to the dungeon mechanic, I also like the monarch mechanic. So you got me dead to rights on that one. Big Tuck, round us out. What's your legendary creature you think is the most exciting? I don't want to build any legendary creature in this set. I'm going to say it right now. But the one that I think is the funniest and the one that I also think they did the best job on. Ah, he is a, bar he is a berserker and he has his berserker strength, which lets you bend and twist these bars. Minsk, the beloved ranger. Uh, what a pull. It's like the fan favorite series, fan favorite uh, out of um, fan favorite out of uh, the Baldur's Gate series of which I've played all of. So Minsk, beloved ranger is a, 
of course, a Naya commander. So because of that, he's not very good. But uh, when he <laughs> enters the battlefield, great. Boo! A legendary 1-1 red hamster creature token with trample and haste. And then oh X. <laughs> you can do this as much as you want. X is, is it. Until end of turn, target creature control has base power and toughness XX and becomes a giant in addition to its other types. Activate only as a sorcery. So I'm going to let you give your thoughts on the card and I'll tell you why it's hysterical. Uh, well, funny thing is Boo's token is pre-ordering for over $5. Yes. So, uh, that's a thing. It's a Sarah. Uh, if you decide to, if you decide you don't want to do that, you could just use a picture from the IMD page, IMDB page of the actress that played Boo on Orange is the New Black. Ooh. I think you accomplished the same thing. They're both 1-1 one, one tramples with haste. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's funny. I mean, let me, it's, so, so it's I, funny. So but me, I, I'm not here for it. No, I'm not either. Like, I think it's stupid, right? I, this is like, I would only build this as a meme. This is probably going to be really good in like limited formats, I'm guessing. And it's probably going to be C playing standard, a 3-3 that gives you an ability. But, so, okay, so Minsk was a ranger from some far off plan that, some far off plane, uh, by that I mean like a country, that he got in so many fights and got hit on the head so many times that he thought this hamster that he found out in the wild was a giant space hamster of which there's no rules for or anything like that. And then the best part is, is that because he also got hit so hard on the head, he has this ability to fly into a berserker rage where he becomes like the strongest human on the planet. So that's, so because of that, that's why, that's why I think this card is, it's, it's not a fun Naya card because none of them exist. Um, but it is a card that so accurately represents the character in such a funny way that I had to give it. I have to give props where props are due. They really hit it on the head with Minsk. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, I just, and I get it. Activate only as a sorcery. Come on, guys. I Where's the fun? Where You don't even give it trample. Like, it's different if it was like, activate only as a sorcery and trample, and then like people could properly plan but it's not like you know you're randomly yeah. going to be able to give it trample without another way. Well, to and it's do also it. a target creature so, you control, right? So it's not like you can politic with it. It's just like okay, I guess yeah. I guess if because if I'm not attacking this turn, I can make one creature be big enough to block something. Yeah, I don't know, lame. It's but just funny. You no, know it's not lame. What? Delina Wild Mage. Roll them tokens. Oh yeah, Let's this go. card's bonkers. Three colorless red, legendary creature, elf shaman rare, coming in for about 430. Whenever Delinea Wild Mage attacks, choose target creature you control, then roll a d20. 1 through 14 gets you a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary, and it has exile this creature at the end of combat. 15 through 20, create one of those tokens, roll again. Uh, she is going to be welcome to my Brutoclad deck. Yes. I hope I get 15 through 20s, and I just continually <laughs> keep going. And, uh, yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. This is also a great, like I said, I hate this deck broadly, and maybe I don't hate it as much as I do, or I want to. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, Brian really put me in a place. I've like had to take some long talks with the man in the mirror. They, this is a very good representation of wild magic because you can take that and you get access to more powerful spells but every time you cast a spell you have to roll a d100 which is like a percentile die and it could be it's kind of the same thing where it's like 
you transport yourself to another plane of existence and you're trying to cast magic missile or something like that or like you cast four fireballs at your feet and you can like toil so it's like a total uh it's it's a very like die percentage base kind of class the thing i the the thing that i really really like about this card is no matter what you get kind of what you want right like to your point uh -huh. in Brutaclad, when she attacks, you will get your copy of whatever creature that you want, right? Yep. Like, you, it just depends on how many. Yeah, it'll just be more, you have to make sure you stack your triggers appropriately, because yeah. Brutaclad and hers will go on the stack at the same, well, actually, no, because his is beginning of combat, so I won't get hers until the next turn. Right. Right. So, it and I think they've kind of built some stuff in here to make sure you can't just go crazy infinite combo bananas, because if it was just at the beginning of combat, all of this stuff happens, yes, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Gross things could could occur, but I mean, I don't know. I I love stuff that allows you the potential to create a token of something you shouldn't be allowed to have, and be able to keep it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, because so many things in red, it's create a token, get rid of it, exile it, end of turn, end of combat, like the one through fourteen. But the potential of having a fifteen through twenty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is this is another one that I'm, I think we're going to see crop up a fair amount in the circles that we like to participate in. Yeah, probably. Well, guys, that was our not set, not so accurate set review of the Dungeons and Dragons crossover of Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. So, Tuck, just give us your last thoughts. Now that we've talked through it, you've admitted some things are cool. Do you still hate it as much? It's like. For every card that's cool that we've talked about today, I can identify five that are horribly designed. So that's my problem is like, I still, I think I, maybe I'm starting to warm up to it. Just like talking through and being like, this would be good in this deck. And like, this is why you like it as well. Right. Especially because you haven't played D and D ever, um, ever. That's so that's my, that's, that's still my takeaway. Right. Like it's just, I, if every single card was designed, like, was designed as well as like Tasha's hideous laughter, this card, Minsk, um, even the other legendaries like the Drizzits and Brunner Battle Hammers of the world. They're just not they they didn't translate them that well, right? And I understand that this can't just be the best set that's ever been printed because it's going into standard. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a thing. I would here's here's what I really wish this was. I wish that they printed. I wish this was like a standalone sort of set, like an unglued, right? Where it it kind of played into its own themes. And then like the power level could have been wildly different. They could have had way wilder mechanics and that sort of thing. But I think they did kind of handcuff themselves by putting it into standard, which again, far be it for me to think anything about how standard or cards are designed. So that's, that's my takeaway. I, I am my cold heart has been warmed by the fires from Delinea wild page, but it's still a little cold. And tuck, I just had an idea. We'll end the segment like this. They really missed out. They should have created. And, I don't, and you can comment is the last thing. If there is someone in Dungeons and Dragons that fits this, they should have had someone who is Rakdos, 20 colorless to cast. <laughs> and its effect, though, states that you may pay two life at any time to roll a d20. And whatever that d20 is, reduce its colorless by that much. Oh. To where it's one of those like like you're paying your life you roll and you got a two and it's like well I got to pay two life again and you yes. just kind of keep going just to keep the going. devil. Is there anything in is there anything in D and D that would equate to like I'm looking for um, this thing 
and I'm paying my life source or money or coins, but maybe I keep coming up short, so I keep coming back. The only thing I can think of is Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned him, the big bad called Strahd, who's this ageless vampire. That might actually work because the reason why he hasn't been fought after is because he's kind of in control of this entire domain and the domain's kind of stuck there. So people are like, well, even if we kill him, we're still stuck here in this mm-hmm. horrible place. So maybe he's helping us and he's kind of like a recurring thing. So I don't know that that would be that would have been a good one to pull from. But they, I think they want to keep this as easy for new coming uh, D&D character, D&D players as possible as well. So I would be awesome, though. That would be sweet. That would be the best card the set. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up. What's the plane chase? Thank you for staying with us. And as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders at level1gameshop.com. You can support us directly by heading over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. With war tiers for all the budgets, there is a way that you, the collective, can help. Of course, check out our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. Redacted bit, get stuff out of my basement. And of course, you can stay in touch with us by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, cmdtower.com. You can communicate directly with the team at cmdtower, at Commodore 5 all spelled out except for the five, at Dear Squee, at Big Tuck Tweeting, from your MTG Action 4 News team. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and... Good roll. See you in the dungeon.